Hi, and welcome to the Music Box Podcast, where we talk about all things Music Box. That is the Music Box Theater in Chicago. On today's show, we dive into our upcoming theatrical release of 2001 A Space Odyssey, our weekend matinee, The Last Picture Show, and this old theater segment looks at the creation and legacy of Theater 2. Let's find out who we have on the podcast today. I want you guys to introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Julian. I'm the technical director here at the Music Box. Hey, this is Buck. I'm the senior operations manager. And this is Ryan, your host and general manager of the Music Box. Welcome. Happy to have you all back on for episode number six. Man, I'm just counting these numbers. Uh, One, two, three, four, five, and six. Julie and I haven't been here since episode one, and my, how things have changed. Yeah, look where we are now. (laughs) It's a whole new world here at the Music Box. I think you're... Your beer has changed, mm-hmm. but the poster still sits, sits, uh, is on the wall above us. The lounge is still here, and Julian is only drinking some kind of Indiana Jones coffee, which... I, wait, no, I'm sorry. You Indiana Jones the I, coffee? Is I, that a verb I, that you I Indiana Jones it. I, I put my cup under the thing while it was making coffee and then quickly put the... Uh, pot underneath you couldn't wait for the pot i to couldn't fill up i couldn't own, i so. couldn't wait so uh, how much uh, spillage was there uh a few paper towels worth <laughs> only a few okay uh that's not terrible that's uh, we've saved enough for our customers today who will definitely be needing this coffee it's good coffee um it is okay well thank you uh i'm glad uh, glad to know i can go get a fine cup of our music box coffee <sighs> today um <laughs> and thank you for that soundbite julian um, let's see. What do we what do we got on the screens right now? Um, we we still have the rider, uh, which we found out has been held over, so it'll now play through May twenty fourth. And audiences oh, that's just great. Seem I'm going to tell my mom she was asking. She 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 was interested. Asking. She wants to see it. Um, was and it because just, of something I, you said, or no, how did no, she, she find out about she, the movie? You know, she reads about movies in the Tribune. And this one got a really good write up. I mean, so good that we had this massive Michael Phillips blow up in our lo- yeah, in our lobby a big right now. Poster board of his review <laughs> that they sent over it says four stars in real big letters. Yes, they um, they liked his review quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's a good review. We like Phillips. Um, mm-hmm. We just were sh- I was uh, were you surprised? I was surprised that they wanted to send that to us. No, when they get good reviews, this tends to happen. Um, and the director of it is being uh, had some interview with the director of the writer had an interview with Marvel about the Black Widow solo movie, like gonna direct it? Yeah. Oh, that's well awesome. potentially. I mean, they hmm. interviewed a bunch of people, but she was one of the the names that came out of like, oh, three filmmakers met with Marvel about maybe doing this. So, see the writer now to see what the uh, the big hubbub is, and then uh, you can, you know, say you were on the ground floor when all of a sudden she's directing the Black Widow movie. I like that. Yeah, come see the writer. Uh, held over through May twenty fourth. Um, we are also holding over the the little film that came out of nowhere to open up. Uh, well, it's not little. Juliette Minosh. I mean, come on, you yeah. all know her. Claire Denis. Claire Denis film. Mm-hmm. Correct. That's director. Want to give a shout out? Uh, Let the sunshine in is now going to play uh, through May twenty fourth. So it opened last Friday. It's going to play through May twenty fourth. Uh, audiences really like this film. I think we even had a sellout over the weekend. Um, and I'm just I'm happy that you know sometimes you get a little film out of nowhere that you know people yeah. are talking about and we're like, hey, we should make room for this movie. Um, she's either a, she's s- a great director. I've been watching her movies for my entire life. Yeah, well, and they usually they <laughs> she's been usually making movies do come for a while. through the music box because we played White Material yeah. and Thirty Five Shots of Rum and many others over yeah. the years. Well, we uh, you we should the, get her out here. Like we're due to have yeah. Claire Denis you're come right. out. That's somebody that would that would come to the music box as well. Like, yeah. what are we doing? What? How are we not doing our jobs on this one? I don't know. Should we blame it well, on this Brian? One, this one was. He's last not minute, here. We can blame so it on Brian. Th- 
this one was a last minute. I'm going to blame it on Brian. All He's right. not listening anyway. Um, but if Claire Denis is listening, you're you have, invited. You have an open invitation. Love to have you. We even have a new hotel that just opened in our neighborhood. We can put you up right there. Um, all right, moving along. What are the weekend shows happening here? Well, we should get to the big one, the elephant in the room. Well, it's not really an elephant in the room. We've been pretty that excited about this. has a negative connotation. You're right. I shouldn't uh, use big, that. A big monolith in the room. Yeah. There we go. Obelisk. I like it. Uh, not an obelisk. <laughs> an obelisk kind of has like that point, you know. Like, yeah, I, I suppose think, it does. Yeah. Uh, this is just some kind of flat rectangle. Uh, let's talk about it. It is the 50th anniversary of 2001, A Space Odyssey, directed by Stanley Kubrick. And, of course... Warner Brothers, the studio, had to do something special. They had a little push from Christopher Nolan. Actually, not a little push. He got his hands dirty on this one. Um, and so we are opening a theatrical engagement of 2001 that's going to play uh, more like 10 or 11 days. It's going to play through Memorial Weekend. Um, and it's going to be on 70 millimeter. We're going to put up our temporary screen. And, you know, when, when you're talking about all those things that we do with those films... 70 millimeter that is, and uh, of course 2001. Got to have the, got to have somebody from the projection room come down and really talk about this. And Julian's our tech director, and I mean, let, let's start with, uh, let's start with the screen. Screen's coming up, right, Julian? Yep. Uh, and uh, this this time there was there was not much time in between when it's going up now and the last time we had it up. It's I think about this is our extra wide temporary yeah, screen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we took it down for when we closed Ready Player One, and that was April 20th. April 20th, less than a month ago, and now it's going back up. And boy, boy, is it a lot of work. I'll be up at 4 in the morning on Friday. Uh, well, going. It, it's <laughs> worth it. I mean, it, it, is. it, it adds a lot to the, the presentation um, of, of anything in 70, but specifically of this specific aspect ratio. What is, what is the aspect ratio for this uh, one? It is 2.2 to 1. And so for for our screen, it, it's gonna it's gonna fill that, and people are gonna love the way it looks, and it brings it a little closer. But so here's okay, Julian, you need to break this thing down for me. I'm just trying to figure it out. Christopher Nolan gets his hands dirty with this film, or gets in into the what he calls an unrestoration. What the hell is he talking about? Uh, yeah, this is this is interesting because essentially, essentially what what it is, it's a is it's a new print, um, and this sort of thing used to happen fairly often, ten or twenty years ago, when film was the standard exhibition format. Um, now that we have DCP and all these digital restorations, restoration is sort of a term that's brandished about um, to talk about like any digital scan and dust busting and cleanup and things like that. Um, so it sort of doesn't, it no longer means going back to exactly what it originally looked like. That's the, in, in the art world, sort of the intention of restoration is to sort of preserve and make, make appear as it, as it did when it first existed. Um, so that's, that's what they're doing here and they've done it all photochemically, which means there's no sort of scanning process or digital cleanup. Um, so there's little, little bumps and scrapes and things like that. Um, but they're, they're essentially trying to make it look, uh, as much as, as possible with the technology available, um, as it did when it was first released. Um, now, this print is different from a new print that we struck last year, um, so this was a little, a little surprising uh, that, that this 
this happened. This is the um, second year in a row we're yeah. playing a brand new 70 millimeter print of 2001. Yeah, it which is, in the digital and, age yeah. is here we are in 2018. This is um, just weird. Yeah, um, but we ran it uh, for press screening. Uh, it looks great. Um, I think the the differences between the two prints are pretty subtle, um, but it does it looks very very nice. Um, and I don't think don't think anyone will come away disappointed. It's it's the color is beautiful. It's super sharp. Um, it's it's an interesting problem to try and recreate the original theatrical experience um, because you know this was 50 years ago, and at this point there are there are people who saw it 50 years ago, um, but they're me holding on to that memory of what the screening was. You know some. Some people are so obsessed with the, you know, original curved screen presentation, and um, you know they have an idea in in their head of what it was, um, and so they'll, they'll a fifty year old, yeah, a fifty year memory, old idea, and and often you know people would have seen it when they were seven years old or twelve years old or maybe eighteen or twenty years old, um, which is a youthful impression. Yes. Um, and of course, it's an amazing, beautiful film, and it leaves quite an impression on you. Um, so it's it's interesting because people come in with these expectations, and I, th I think, uh, you know, every every time we show it, people come away amazed. Um, so I think it I think we're able to make it hold up and really do justice to the film with our presentation and a good print. Um, and this is this is um, an amazing print. I mean, yeah. there's 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 nothing to to scoff about here. Yeah. There's, I mean, for me, it's a it's a play at words. What the hell is yeah. restoration versus unrestoration? Yeah. And I, I think I called you in my office. Is like, mm -hmm. please, for the love of God, <laughs> explain this to yeah. me because I was really confused. I mean, I know Buck, you had editing duties to do on the website because you were trying to make sure that the wording was precise yes. on exactly how you talk about this movie. Yeah, we had uh, certain. Uh, requests from Warner Brothers and the ways that this movie is promoted and, you know, trying to convey to an audience exactly what an unrestored print means. Well, um, I mean, I, I, I'm happy for any excuse to play 2001. I mean, as, as you know, Julian, I was excited to try to find some way to budget a new print mm -hmm. of 2001 so that every year when we played it, we knew who touched it last, right? It was our people, yeah. right? We know who's caring for this print. It's our folks. Um, so now we have another new print <laughs> that's never played. That you, you know, for folks who come here on Friday night, well, guess what? You are going to be the first public audience to lay your eyes yeah. on this celluloid, pristine, unrestored uh, print. Um, yeah, I believe there's so four, four or five prints Warner Brothers is making total, and they're touring all over the country, and we're. We're the first, I think, us in New York and L.A. were the first stop. Which is uh, also amazing. Yeah. Oh, and can. can. Okay, yeah. can. okay, we can give the French <laughs> yeah. their, their due. Okay. As you got your due. Work. I'm done. I'm done talking about the French. Uh, and not the French as a whole, but just can. Mm -hmm. uh, which is important, but I don't I don't care right now. We, we're in Chicago. We have our movies. Um, but, yes, uh, we, you know... We we will show this to folks, and I think it is should be noted uh, for our, all of our listeners and people who care about the music box that it's it's pretty impressive that they're doing New York, L.A. and Chicago, right? I mean, they could have done New York, L.A. and then toured the print to us, but no, they 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 knew the value of the music box and of Chicago and the audiences that come out here. So I think all of you folks should you, you should feel real you should feel entitled to to a degree of of what Warner Brothers is recognized. Yeah. 
Um, and if Chris, if Chris Nolan's listening, please take care of uh, Playtime and Ryan's daughter next. That would be, <laughs> yeah. that would be real great. <laughs> we would like that, and and so would another director on the Ryan's daughter one. Two uh, films that uh, used to be available on seventy millimeter, and we get requests for many times, and they are no longer available. There are no prints that you can play publicly on seventy millimeter. We played. Playtime back in, I think, 2012 or 2013, yeah. Jacques Tati's Playtime on 70mm. And had we known that that would be the last chance any of us would have to see Playtime on 70mm. Was anybody there? I was, I was there. I saw one of How would that the print look? Yeah. Oh, it looked, looked it good. Beautiful. Yeah. And so they still pulled it yeah. out of the, after all of that? I mean, maybe someone got it after us and yeah. messed it up. Well, whoever that person theater is, shame on them. Because um, we really miss play, playing Playtime. <laughs> uh, we'd like to come back. Do you guys remember the first time you saw 2001 in theaters, I should say? And my, I think it was here, actually. Yeah. Because um, I think the first time I saw it was like seven, six or seven years ago here. Um, and before that, I had only seen it on TV. Like yeah, the, like yeah, this I'd big. Only seen it on VHS. <laughs> yeah, I, I was. That, that that's weird. We all yeah. have the same uh, mem- uh, kind of shared uh, interaction with it because I had I had a VHS and then I had a DVD and then I had a Blu-ray. Um, I think I had a Blu-ray. I don't remember for sure if I still have a Blu-ray. But yeah, I, I'd never seen 2001 theatrically, and then we showed it uh, on 70 millimeter. It's a it's a completely different experience. Were either you on drugs the first time you watched it? It might have been, okay. but that was on VHS. I was not, I was, yeah. Hey, I was too I young. I was a tot. I was too, <laughs> too young to, to be on drugs. You, maybe, were maybe, you maybe Benadryl or... If you were a tot, were, yeah. were you bored? Zyrtec. Uh, mm-hmm. No, I watched movies I was on all the time. Flintstone so chewables. Yeah. <laughs> the sugar high yeah. of little, the little orange ones. They have extra sugar yeah, for, the, red, for the orange flavor. Um, yeah, no, I just... I, I just got to say, I mean, I it's one of those things that I think is just an incredible experience in the theater. I mean, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but if there's a listener out there who still hasn't seen this on 70 in the theater, um, it's a different experience, um, which I loved uh, seeing the opening credits, the mm-hmm. opening sequences. I just walked in, you know, took a break from my work because when you do the press screening, it's it's gorgeous. Yeah. You know, it, the, the sound just kind of, I don't, it's, it's takes you to another space and time. Um, it's beautiful. Well, I, I guess, I don't know. Do you guys have anything more you want to say about 2001 before we move on? No, we'll probably have more to say after we see it. Again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure you listeners will too. So if you uh, if you come out based on a recommendation or just because it's 2001 on 70, we'd love to hear from you and your thoughts on this uh, this unrestored print that Chris Fernoli did. And there's also a really great... Um, interview that uh, Michael Phillips of the Chicago Tribune did with Christopher Nolan, one of the few critics who got an interview with Nolan. Um, and you should uh, you should read it because, you know, they go into a lot of things and uh, a lot of the influence and the importance of 2001 and what he was doing. Um, also this weekend, um, sadly in our smaller theater, and not sadly, uh, this is just a film that you would like to sell more tickets to because I know there are fans of it out there. Uh, but because of 2001, it got moved in the smaller theater. But we have the last picture show as a staff matinee picked by Peter, one of our uh, floor staffers here, uh, playing Saturday, Sunday at 1130 a.m. I have not seen it, so I can't say anything about it. But Buck, you've seen it. Yeah, it's a it's a Peter Bogdanovich film, one of his very early films, not technically his first, but the first to get uh, some, some acclaim. It got nominated for a whole bunch of Academy Awards. 
Um, and it won a few, including for uh, Cloris Leachman, as an Oscar from it. Uh, television mainstay Cloris Leachman is an Oscar winner, um, also of Young Frankenstein. Uh, you know who else hasn't seen it, it actually is Peter, huh. uh, the person who picked <laughs> it. What? Has, Did he tell it. you that up front? Yeah, he hasn't seen it, but he chose it because he has started getting into Bogdanovich. Uh, and wanted to see it and figured this would be a good opportunity to see it. Um, I forget. That's good. I like that. Yeah. He, he. No, no. I don't know if I like <laughs> that. He got hit through his staff pick without yeah. having seen the movie. So what the hell did he write? Well, yeah, but he's, it's a film he's interested in, and he wants to experience it in a way it was meant to be seen. I mean, if you had the choice to okay, do okay, that or right. renting it on Amazon Prime, what would you choose? Okay, I would see it here at the theater on 35 millimeter. I would, I would, I would. Yeah. Uh, I just did not <laughs> realize I let this happen. Um but okay, what else do we want to talk about with the film? Uh, it's not, you know, it's um, it's got a very young Jeff Bridges in it, uh, Sybil Shepherd, a very young Randy Quaid. Oh God, the Quaid brothers. Yeah, it's got uh, it's got one of the Quaid <laughs> brothers. We're gonna have to come back to you the Quaid a, brothers. Do you have a problem with both of the Quaid brothers? No, no, no. I love them. I love oh, okay. them. That was yeah. that was a positive. I, I, oh, gotcha. I, that I, was a thankful. Yeah, I, they're sort of my Kevin Klein. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> well, to Buck's Kevin Klein, not yeah. to my yeah, Kevin yeah. Klein. We could try and get Dennis Quaid out here sometime. I don't think we yeah. can get Randy Quaid back. Is in he the, the one that went off the grid? Like he's yes, like in the woods and like believe just he fled buried the treasure. We don't know that. He could literally be somewhere in the Pacific Northwest and just kind of doing his he own could. thing. Maybe Randy Quaid will do a drop in at our screening of the Last Picture Show. You okay. Here's the thing: if we ever get him, we're not going to announce it. So. If you're just out there and we're suddenly playing a Randy Quaid film for some random reason, it's probably because he's there. That's but guess the Quaid what? Quaid Festival. Yeah, he shows up. He, he's in. Uh, he's in Christmas Vacation. We've played that a few years now. Oh, yeah, one of my good. personal favorites. Yeah, uh, of all the, Yes, of he's he's so good in that film. But you know, it's just I don't think he's. I mean, was he going to hitchhike here? How's he going to get here? He can't get on a plane. I don't know. You know, I'd go pick him up. I'd drive like 13 hours. There you go. Yes, yeah, so it'd be an interesting car ride. Yeah. What do you think you talk about? I don't know. <laughs> beard maintenance. <laughs> beard maintenance. Yeah, he's got a big bushy beard now. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't. I would need some some advice. I don't think anybody here has that that level of beard. Um, also happening this weekend or this coming week is we have the final two shows of Ghost Stories. I held this one. I didn't want to talk about what's currently playing because it's not going to be really held over. Um, Ghost Stories is just. A very chilling three-story haunting feature film. We talked about it last week. Kyle had had seen it and really liked it, but it it really resonated with our audiences this past week. But we were unable to give it more than uh, 11:45 p.m. showtimes this weekend. But hopefully, some of the horror fans and you know you night owls, if you're out there, uh, can make it to one of our final screenings of of the film because uh, it is really really good. It's it's some great British horror. Um, not like that specifically, I think, but it's you know it's a British it's film. It's supposed to be a throwback to the Hammer films and stuff like that. Right. Thank you, Buck. Um, so I I just think if you got a chance, I'd see it. Um, also, let's move on. We've got our advance ticket notice, and this one does not. Well, we need a we need a sound effect for that. Like what? What's the sound effect? <laughs> Thank like you the for sound that. of a, a ticket coming out of the booth oh, or yeah. you know, something. <laughs> Thank you for that as well. <laughs> One of these or all of these are just going to stay on your feed. We'll see how the edit goes. Um, <laughs> or maybe we're still talking. Um, 
the advance ticket notice uh, usually refers to when we put something on sale recently and we want to make sure you know about it. But with the first part that we want to talk about, this is not something you pay for. This is a free thing that we have been uh, asked to be a part of. So if you remember last year, um, there was Music Box Movies at the Park at Wrigley. We had six films, and it was their inaugural year of kicking off the park, which is next to Wrigley Field. Uh, it was great. We had a lot of fun. We had brought out some guests. We had some Cubs alumni who came out. Uh, we did some fun little uh, activities. Well, they had a lot of fun, too, um, and this year uh, they, they asked for us back. They changed their name. They're called Gallagher yeah, Way they now. They had so much fun. They sold the naming rights. Uh, <laughs> they did, and so now it's movie, Music Box Movies at Gallagher Way, which, you know, if you need to know what that is, it's next to Wrigley Field. Um, but it's a beautiful space, and we are expanding ourselves to 10 films, um, and just so the quick updates of, of, of what you need to know is May 16th is A League of Their Own, and May 30th is The Fugitive, and then we have a uh, eight more films, um, which you can find on our website or their website, uh, and you know, of course, you got to you got to kick off with a baseball movie. So, uh, just so everybody knows, this is programmed by our team. So, like, you know, I come up with a list, and then I sit down with our bigger team, Buck and Julian included, and I just say, "Hey, everybody, let's kind of like give me your feedback on these films and let me know." And some kind of argue for theirs, and other people argue for their for theirs, and we kind of come up with it. And every now and then, something comes out of left field, and we were like whoa, that's great, we have to do that. And then sometimes I'm just really married to a film and people are like, I don't get it, but it gets on, the, it gets on there, which maybe somebody will point out here. Um, but of the up-and-coming films, I'm really excited for A League of Their Own to kick off this series. It's a beautiful baseball movie, um, probably a little underappreciated by the overall baseball uh, like movie fans, but I think the diehard moviegoers and baseball goers love this film. Um, there's a lot to talk about with Who it. Who doesn't Great appreciate League of Their Own? You can't just make okay. claims like I that. Am not it's a just beloved I baseball am, movie. I am not just making claims. The thing that I have, the problem I have, is when I tell people, give me your favorite baseball movies. Yeah. So there are a, a type of person that never mentions this movie. They'll low rattle off three or five. Mm. They will not put this in there. And I do not understand them. And whenever I'm in that conversation with them, I say, well, what about A League of Their Own? Isn't that one of your favorites? And then they'll backtrack and they'll say, of course. And I'll be, I'll be like, but how do you not rattle? Battle that off. Yeah, I mean, you're you're willing to throw out Major League or Bull Durham or you know all, all those other ones, and I'm like, you ever see this movie uh, Rhubarb? A no. cat inherits a baseball team. Really? When was are you when making this up? Uh, I believe it's 49 or 50. Okay. 1949 yeah. or 50. Yeah. Is okay. the cat's name rhubarb? The cat's name is rhubarb. Okay. Mm. Have you ever had like fresh base? rhubarb just straight out of the garden? Wow, that was it's really tart. Like, interesting I mean, transition. Just no. really kind of. I'm just trying to picture the poster for rhubarb. So who was like the the human? I, f I forget. Because if you you know it feels like there's definitely a role for an owner there of like uh, uh, Maureen O'Sullivan yeah. or someone. To yeah. She's not in it, but she would be a good fit. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a baseball movie that you like? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I generally like baseball movies, despite not... I, I don't find baseball engaging. But you like the story that comes out of the, the movie? Yeah. Okay. The Rookie? Dennis Quaid? Oh, yeah. Great. That's a hey, good picture. Bring it back to Nobody the talks about that one. You're right. I very rarely, when I'm talking to baseball fans, does somebody say that film. Oh, that's actually... It's a nice movie. Another film that I, I, I have a problem with that people don't throw out when it comes to baseball movies is Bad News Bears. I mm -hmm. think that's a great baseball movie. Um, people don't really throw it out, but whatever. That's my thing. I'm making judgments. Uh, of this list, I'm curious. Any, uh, any things that stand out that you, you want to mention? Either of you? <laughs> the, the one I would m be most excited to see with a, 
a rowdy Gallagher Way crowd. It'd be Space Jam. Space Jam is going to be a lot yeah. of fun. Yep, we got Space Jam. We've got 40th anniversary screening of Grease. See, I'm super excited. I hope. I hope. That the crowd just gets into it and then bursts out in song. Yeah, what could what more could you ask for from an outdoor free movie screen? I want to be like a block away, and I just want to be hearing the crowd singing along. You know that that that, that, that their, their voices just carry down Addison or carry up Clark. I think that'd be amazing. Um, well, one of my personal favorites, and I think I had a lot of puzzled looks when I when I brought this one up was Twister. Uh, I think that's going to be a lot of fun for an outdoor screening. Yeah. Um, you know, Bill Paxton's great. Helen Hunt's great. Um, so yeah, a couple of uh, highlights uh, are Twister, July 18th, uh, Space Jam, August 22nd. Grease is August 8th. There's 10 films. You can find them on Musicbox Theater's website, or you can find them on Gallagher Way's website, but this is just letting you know that you have some free movies you can see in the Gallagher Way space. Um, also, we've got an off-calendar edition uh, we are going to show Best Friends, which is a new movie uh, produced uh, and starring Greg Sestero. Oh, wow. Um, on Thursday, May 31st at 7.30 p.m. It's off calendar. We, we edited it last minute because we had an opening and Greg was traveling. Um, and it's a two-parter. The first part, volume one, I think that's what they're calling it, plays on the 31st with Greg in attendance. And, um, you know, we have a long history with Greg here. Yeah, at where, uh, Ryan, where might people know Greg Sestero from? Oh, really? Good point. Good point. <laughs> All right, fair listener. If you do not know Greg Sestero, he is from The Room. He also wrote the book The Disaster Artist, which was adapted into the movie The Disaster Artist. He has a writing credit, which was, which in the end of the screenplay adaptation got nominated for an Academy Award. And, you know, I think everybody's kind of curious if you haven't already seen The Room, you've seen Disaster Artist or vice versa, but who the hell, you know, what team comes up with this type of movie and what could they do after it? Well, you're going to find out with Best Friends if you have a chance to come see it. Um, the speaking, long-awaited follow-up. Now, what's, I know, what's I know. going How on with this? How long have they been in touch with, uh, talk about this? What's going on with what? This, this R in the Friends is... In parentheses? Yeah, what's best? So, so it, it's a pun. It, it's best fiends, best fiends friends? I think so. That's, I think that's exactly like what that. it is. I think they're saying, hmm, hmm. audiences, what are we going to get into with this relationship with Tommy and I? Um, but Because Tommy Wiseau is also in this movie. Yes, I suppose we should talk about Tommy So, so the real question is, this, is this a spinoff or a sequel? A spiritual sequel. A spiritual sequel. Okay, great. Right, because he still wears three belts. Yeah. That's Tommy we're talking about. Um, and Greg still plays Greg. Uh, well, he plays whatever character he plays in this film. But anyway, yeah, Greg's been here a bunch of times. He's been here for the room screenings. He's been here for his book talk conversations. Uh, he's got a lot of other things that he's gone on. I mean, how many times do you think Greg's been at the theater? Um, I think Greg's been here three or four times. Uh, I would have thought it was like five or six, but yeah, that makes sense. It could be five or six. Yeah, it's been been here quite a bit. He 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 he, he kind of been enough times that I've lost count. There you go, perfect. Yeah, he's a semi regular at this point. Yeah, I guess we can give him that status. So, if you want to meet Greg, or if you want to see Greg again, if you want to know what the hell Greg's been up to with Tommy, I mean, this thing they've been tra teasing the trailer out for years, and somehow now they have two volumes. Volume one is best friends. We're gonna play it on the thirty first. Come check it out, and then uh, your tickets are on sale, and then. Yes, I am talking to Greg and Tommy about coming out in the fall for Best Friends Volume 2. 
Maybe we'll throw out a room screening because Tommy's there, and there'll be a lot of plastic thrown around and wasted. Um, should be fun, but check out Best Friends first. Um, another advance notice is an, uh, another off-calendar film. This one's only playing at midnight. It's called Feral. It's distributed by IFC Midnight, so if you know that uh, brand of distributor or their, their, that sub-label of that distributor IFC, you know that style of midnight. It's going to play June 1st and 2nd at midnight. A little bit about the film. This is a, a perfect genre mix of outdoor survival thriller with contagion gore fest. And if you're not really, you know, in the horror world and want to know what contagion means, it's like, you know, it's the zombie people in the film that are not made by, you know, the unknown or supernatural event. Rather, like in this film, it's a feral disease that turns one camper against another, you know, and that sort of deadly virus. And this one has two great performances from Scott Taylor Compton from Rob Zombie's Halloween and Olivia Lucardi, who uh, is from uh, one of my personal favorites, It Follows. She had a, a bit role in that, and she was really great. And they come, they are two, main, two of the main uh, characters in this, and they're really great in this film. So I do think you should um, check out Feral. It, sadly, again, only two nights, June 1st and 2nd at midnight, but it's going to be a fun off-calendar off midnight. I, I suppose we need another sound effect. Jillian, do you want to you apply? And we're coming back to you with this old theater segment. All right, Julian and Buck, I have a question for you. What does the date, July 3rd, 1991, mean to you? Um, I mean, I believe that was the, the year Beauty and the Beast came out, so I probably saw that as a tyke. I can't say for sure uh, the release date of it. Julian, that, that date have any significance? I to was you? I wasn't alive. What? I was being oh no! Manufactured? Oh, no, no oh, I was. No. I was no. You're you young. Were incubating. You were. <laughs> you're young. Um, so young. So uh, what it means is that is the day that um, the music box theater opened theater two or its smaller auditorium, right? Because you know, in, in, in our terms, we call it theater one and theater two. Most people known it for main theater or main auditorium and screening room. That's how we use it online or, yeah. or theater two. We might, we might have people, uh, you know, kind of refer to it as theater two as well. But that is the date that we opened it. Now, I kind of want to talk about theater two and its significance to our business, um, to the theater, to the music box, some of the changes it's done and, you know, all those sort of things. And, you know, I'm hoping, you know, you know Julian and Buck, you can jump in here and, and, and add a little bit yeah, to for, it. But for a but time, it was called the Olive Garden because of the, because of the free breadsticks no, that we gave of out. The vines. That would be a, yeah, a the, good idea. The but. previous decor uh, included a lot of, uh, you know, in continuing the Italian villa <laughs> theme of the, the main house um, is there was some uh, extraneous decoration that involved uh, dangling vines and grapes mm -hmm. um, that I can see what they were going for, but from a practical standpoint uh, and, you know, maintenance, it was uh, not, not really a good look. It, it was trying to imitate uh, a feeling in theater one that was not rep... Uh, Rep replicable. Yeah, that's the word I'm struggling mm. with uh, for for that space. Yeah, plastic vines are a real well, real pain to clean. So that was the idea, right? They wanted to create a miniature theater one, and they were yeah. limited. Yeah, well, okay, let's get let's get into the backstory here. Okay, so the the original building when it was built, uh, the nine storefronts and and the apartments above were all a part of the original. Uh, per, uh, structure that was put together because the owners realized they should diversify their funds, which was smart. You know, different sources of income coming in, and so when um, you know when they wanted to expand because 
Um, back in the 80s, what basically happened was we had all these in the 70s and before we had all of these single screen theaters, whether they were 300 seats or, you know, 4,000 seats. Um, but when, you know, Hollywood decided it was going to be opening more and more films, they needed to create the multiplex, right? And within the multiplex, you know, they were building three screens, five screens, eight screens. I think eight screens kind of came a little later in the 80s, but definitely you see some five screens um, in the earlier 80s. And by doing that, this theater could basically open up multiple films, and if one film was doing bad, it didn't matter because the other films could be making the box office and thus the ancillary concession sales that would keep the film and theater business. However, the, the one screen down the street, if it opened a dud, and I mean like a film that's not not going to draw on attendance, um, it was kind of stuck with that film for maybe one week, maybe two, maybe three weeks, depending on the engagement that they were contractually obligated with, with the studio that was distributing it, which really sucked for those folks because, you know, basically your year was dependent on what Hollywood gave you and also some of the studios that you decided to have better relationships or worse relationships, depending on how you look at it. And so a lot of single screens... Um, in the 80s, started to get torn up. Um, basically, they would, you know, you would suddenly go upstairs where there used to be a balcony, and now you'd have one or two screens, so you'd be hearing sounds coming through your feet of <laughs> Avengers or whatever, and you're like, okay, well, this is weird. Why is that? And you'd be in these smaller theaters. Well, that was because that theater needed to stay in business, right? It needed to create more screens. Well, back in the in the 90s in the early 90s late 80s the music box theater was having a renaissance and was really kind of growing in its popularity playing a lot of first run foreign films it was known for its repertory and re-releases its unrestorations or <laughs> restorations of films back all on analog and it needed a way to expand what it was doing and also find a place for some of the smaller content that just could not fit 700 seats so this was before we called movies content correct <laughs> thank you julian uh when they were just movies um and so it needed some way to f to put those movies that it opened in week one somewhere else or to open smaller th films that it knew it could put somewhere and not have to hold on to so that it could be you know we could keep the lights on and so they had the idea that we should have theater two but then they were like no way are we tearing up our screen we are not going to rip up this screen and create two or three or have a balcony. We're not going to split our pre-existing auditorium. Correct. And, That's what know, I'm talking about. Build a wall down the middle of it so we can have two screens. Yeah, that just does not work. Right? It's not Our audience is not going to appreciate that. Um, and so because the building was owned by one person, they had these nine storefronts. And so somebody had the idea, hey, take one of the storefronts that's connected to us, tear a hole in the wall, and make it a small theater. And because of Chicago's zoning, right, and because of gr being grandfathered in, they were limited in number of seats. So they could not go two storefronts down and create a bigger theater. They had to limit this thing to 104 seats or less because of the way the zoning laws work. We were on a, a percentage scale. Um, and so by taking just one, they could easily stay under that 100 seat and recreate it. So what they wanted, as you were alluding to, Buck, they really wanted to recreate that feel and look of the main theater, which is that classic outdoor uh, Italian courtyard with vines, Julian, and, you know, sort of the, the blue. And it, it just it gave you a feeling of what sort of room you were in that was very similar to uh, to the main house. Right. So. So the original uh, idea was that, coming back to you, Buck, which was, you know, we're going to recreate Theater One, but on a smaller scale, and we're mm. going to be able to show great art house foreign, little small indie, indie films in a micro cinema. This is, 
this is, you know, the idea of micro cinema now is like mm -hmm. 25, 40 seats, but that was an idea of a micro cinema, like a, I think it was 100 seats or maybe it was 90 seats when it was originally open. So that was the original incarnation. If you had been to Theater 2 uh, from 1991, July 3rd, 1991, through I think it was up to 2012 uh, before we renovated it with the current management, um, that was the look and feel of it, right? Mm -hmm. So you were a little packed in, yeah. right? Uh, I, f I remember Julian. There was not as much soundproofing from the road. No, you could the, you could hear you could hear the street. That was one pretty, of the main reasons well. uh, that led to the renovations. Is um, especially once the uh, street festivals started becoming real popular, as there would be days in the summer where we realized like there's a lot of commotion out on Southport right now, and it's unfortunately bleeding into you know there's a little bit of sound bleed into the theater, and you know we hate having. Uh, people's movie going experiences compromised because one of our uh, you know goals with the theater is to you know transport people uh, to the world of the film and that is just not able to happen when you can hear yeah, it'd be showing a you know, matinee of Solaris or something and yeah when they're very especially when we play uh, very quiet films and there's bleed from you know sound bleed from outside you can hear live bands or uh, people selling churros. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that just doesn't work. So um, if I recall, and I wasn't here for this, but I think, Buck, you were on, and Julian, you were definitely in the mm -hmm. city, maybe doing a little projecting for us. In 2012, we realized, hey, Theater 2 has you know, some of we these drawbacks. We didn't realize in 2012 we'd known for a while. and Has some of these known drawbacks. known since July 3rd, 1991. <laughs> yeah, we needed no, to put the no, money I would together. Say, I would say back in the day, yeah. the th this neighborhood was a little quieter. Yeah. Right? So we probably yeah. didn't have as many complaints. But as we grew and gained more popular, boy, than sort of the neighborhood. Um, so I guess we created our own problem. We needed to do something. We needed some, some reorganization of the space, uh, maybe some redecorations, some retouches, and we needed soundproofing. Yep. But when you're going to do all of that, why not go the extra mile and create a premier screening room, right? I mean, that was the idea in 2012. Mm -hmm. And I think they did that. I mean, do you guys remember everything we did? Yeah. We, uh, one of the things we did is we actually pushed the wall back that the screen was on, so we doubled, this, doubled the size of the screen. We uh, did a lot of soundproofing. We replaced all of the seats in the auditorium. Like we said, it used to seat 90. Um, we chose a, you know, some more luxurious seating, so now its seats are a little bigger, and it seats 70. Um, there was you know, additional work done on the sound system. Uh, you know, it's it's a, actually a fantastic sound system, for yeah. especially when we have... Yeah, I think you know, every, almost everything was replaced. Yeah. Yeah, so all new speakers all around. Yep. And uh, put in a, a new curtain. Yep. Yeah, yeah to, to give that that sort of red curtain feel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's that that little room really does a lot uh technically. It's it's the the booth and the space are pretty pretty small, but you can show a lot of different formats and the the curtain just barely fits in with all the, all the rigging and stuff. Uh, I had to go in and repair it recently and it uh it's very, very tight back there. Yeah, it's also a really great space for a lot of, uh, you know, special events or private events. We do a lot of, um, you know, local filmmakers want to premiere their films or have screenings for mm -hmm. the cast and crew, and that's where mm -hmm. having a room that seats 70 is actually the exact sort of thing you want yeah. uh, for them to be able to come through um, and get to, get to show off their stuff. I mean... I should say that, you know, for Music Box Films, we, you know, for our distribution company, we watch a lot of films in there to get a, a sense of um, 
of what we potentially could purchase and get that kind of intimate feeling. I mean, honestly, mm -hmm. it's one of those little rooms that you would see, you know, like a studio mogul would have, right? Mm -hmm. Let's let's look at the dailies, yeah. right? Yeah. And let's kind of get a sense of that. And it's really comfortable or and Howard intimate. Hughes is looking at the uh, the you know the new edit. Yeah, exactly. Which I I just I really love that about the room. Um, and so you know because of we've that a lot little, of, we've had a lot of I believe we had it, it's also good for uh, specialty uh, special events as it were um, I believe we had the one of the first Chicago screenings of Boyhood in there with a what? talk that's back right, with Richard Linkletter right. in that the oh wow yeah, yeah it, it was, was some some it was through the AV Club yeah. I think and it was before there was even a trailer or anything but they were like we want to do a small screening I forget how they chose who was able to come and yeah. They, they were, we were running link letter, so we were. I think we were running 2001 that same day. Uh, oh I mean, yeah, I think you watched that from the balcony instead of Boyhood. Yeah, <laughs> we will have people come to us, you know, from time to time where you know they'll say, "Hey, we want to do an event," and we said, "Do you want the 700 seat room or the 70 seat?" And they're like, "Oh no, definitely the 70 seat because that's the yeah. sort of vibe they're going for." Yeah, and it works for that. And and I would say that this this is technically capable. We have DCP, we mm -hmm. have thirty five millimeter. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, we we made sure that even in the small room, we can do everything. Um, and and I I mean, I can't make as bold of a statement, but listeners, you have to understand that theater two is very important to the longevity of the Music Box Theater. I mean, the ability for us to be able to move films around and keep certain films around. Um, has done a, a tremendous amount of uh, service for us to get more features on the big screen and to work with more distributors so that we keep bringing in the best content for you and can bring out guests as well. And so I'm, I'm, I, it would be bold to say the reason we're still in operation is because of Theater 2, but it was vital to our longevity and the importance of our business. So I just kind of want to give you an idea that, you know, if you might you know, sort of shrug your shoulder and say, oh, okay, I'm in theater two. Well, mm -hmm. I mean, I would say that uh, I would push you on that. And I would say there's an importance of theater two and there's some a technical achievements to what you can experience in theater two in terms of your audiovisual experience, especially now, maybe not in 1992, maybe not in 2009, but now in 2018, um, theater two is a great, great home. So every time you see a movie in theater two, you are participating in history uh, and uh, keeping the music box alive. Yes, and it is just as old as the original auditorium. It's just had some refurbishing, yeah. uh, some 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 changes. Um, we were never. Well, uh, what was it? What was it before? What what storefront? Do we know? Back in 1991, yeah. I don't know. But uh, no if idea. you look in our in our lounge on the, our wall of photos. Um, Back uh, when the theater originally opened, it was a, I think it was either a candy shop or a fountain soda shop, <laughs> uh, because if you look, if you zoom in or just kind of like look closely at the image on our wall here, you can see what the the, the space to the north and the space to the south were. Um, I mean, it was 1929, so I suppose it's a safe guess to say it was either a candy shop or a yeah. soda shop. <laughs> Well, I'm pretty sure it was one of those, but uh, I, I, I know that from memory. It was memory either a, looking a at cobbler's it. shop or a blacksmith or... <laughs> a blacksmith? Yeah. Really? Come on. No, it was not a blacksmith. Um, well, anyway, that's this old theater, talking about Theater 2. It was July. a store that sold war bonds. <laughs> if you come on July 3rd, 1991, and see a film in Theater 2, you should feel special. You're celebrating a birthday. That'll be the, was it the 27th birthday. Um, which is, you know, it's a good number. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's have a little review. Uh, movies coming up. Just a reminder of what we talked about in this, uh, this segment. We're opening 2001 A Space Odyssey. A Space Odyssey. 
fiftieth anniversary of the unrestoration helped by Christopher Nolan. Opens Friday, May eighteenth, and it will have uh, almost a two week run. Our matinee for just two shows this is the last picture show by Peter Bogdanovich, May nineteenth and twentieth at eleven thirty AM. And it will also be introduced by another Peter. Hopefully he'll be there. Um, and as always, please rate our podcast and send us emails and comments and questions. We want to hear back from you and we want to know what you're thinking and what you want to hear about in terms of our segments and some of our upcoming and if you want to hear any other panelists or guests on the show, let us know. Um, thanks for coming on. And uh, Buck and Julian, I want to thank you for coming on again. You, you, you kicked us off on our first episode, and here you are on our sixth. Thank you. Uh, Anytime. My pleasure. We'll see you on episode 12. <laughs> All right. Bye, guys.